But this also allows us to see, watch this, that this spirit of offense that's running rampant in our nation is just another ploy of the enemy, not only to destroy and divide our nation, but it is also destroying and dividing the church as well. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So this morning, I I simply want to uh, share a few things that have been on my heart. Really, I've been wanting to share this since like January, and I haven't felt a release uh, to do so. And I'm not quite sure why, but but I felt this week a release to share some things. So uh, before we go go in, let me kind of give a little misclaimer. Uh, on one hand, I feel like for most of us in this room, what we're about to talk about is just simply a yearly routine heart checkup that's good to do. Okay, I'm good. Let's move on. Uh, but I feel like there's some other people in the room that today is is almost like a, a warning or a word of caution for you because today we're living in. Okay? So so obviously I'm looking around. We've got a lot, a lot of visitors today, and we're certainly glad you guys are here. Uh, I want you to know today, because you don't know me, uh, I, I don't have an axe to grind. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. And so, you know, it's a, uh, I'm actually in a pretty good mood. So that's a good thing. I got some sleep this week. So I'm not hangry. I'm, you know, I'm good to go. Right. So anyways, so listen, I'm going to share a few things and I'm just going to ask that if you would just uh, not get upset. Right. Uh, Don't get mad and and leave and walk out of here. You you know, listen, hang out to the end. Hear what I have to say. And if you're still mad, then you can leave then. Okay, so um, it'll be good. But but listen, uh, Angela, if you can't stand up, listen, if you get stand up, man, come on. If you got any complaints today with anything I'm going to say, that is your man to talk to. All right. Yes. All right. On a serious note, if, if you do have issues with uh, anything I say, man, I'm, I'm a relational guy. I, I am not afraid to have any conversation for the most part. Uh, so anyways, if you want to talk, I'll be more than happy to talk with you. Y'all ready to pray? Yeah. This dude is crazy. All right, here we go. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for such a great time in worship. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here. And uh, Lord, we thank you that your presence has the great ability to disarm us. God, that your presence has the great ability to speak directly to our hearts. And Lord, we're just asking, God, that your presence would even increase now. Father, thank you for the anointing that has the ability to just speak life and release life and release life change. And so, Lord, today we just ask that uh, the Holy Spirit, we already said you're welcome. We just ask that you would come and uh, minister to every single one of us today. Speak to us really loud and really clear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to start off by reading uh, two really good big chunks of Scripture. So if you can, just kind of hang in there with me. We'll throw it up on the screen. And, uh, but these are really key to where we're going just for context's sake. Matthew 24. It says, While Jesus was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this destruction of the temple take place? And what will be the sign? Somebody say the sign. Come on, say the sign sign. of your coming 
and of the end, the completion, the consummation of the age. In other words, the disciples are asking, man, Jesus, when is all this going to wrap up? Verse 4 says, Jesus answered, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. For many will come in my name, misusing it and appropriating the strength of my name, which belongs to me, saying, I am the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, and they will mislead many says you will continually hear of wars and rumors of war see that you do not see that you are not frightened for those things must take place but that is not yet the end of the age for nation will rise against nation just for education's sake the word nation there is actually the the greek word ethnos it's where we get our word uh, for ethnic group so basically saying the ethnic group will rise against ethnic group and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, of the intolerable anguish, and the time of unprecedented trouble. It says, then they will hand you over to endure tribulation and will put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Here's the whole reason we're reading this. At that time, many will be offended. Can somebody say offended? offended. It says, repelled by their association with me. And will fall away from the one whom they should trust. It says, and will betray one another, handing over believers to their persecutors, and will hate one another. It says, many false prophets will appear and mislead many, because lawlessness or sin is increased. Watch this. It says, the love of most people will grow cold. It says, but the one who endures to the sorry, I'm going a different translation here in my head. But the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom, the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end of the age will come. Fast forward in the New Testament, I want to land where Apostle Paul said these things in Second Timothy chapter three. It says, but understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear, for people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of people, sorry, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. And they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane. Here's the key word it wants to see, irreconcilable. Uh, other translations use the word unforgiving. Malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, and temperament, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. Welcome to church, y'all. <laughs> Come on, wave your hand up if you know, man, that's some pretty strong, straightforward talk right there, Yeah. Yeah, li listen, uh, the Word of God is not afraid to punch somebody in the mouth, all right? So I want you to notice something. In, in Matthew 24, Jesus clearly said that a sign, that a mark, that a characteristic of the last days will be that many will be offended. In 2 Timothy, Paul adds that not only will people be offended, watch this, but they will also be irreconcilable or unforgiving towards those who have offended them. Now listen, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, it doesn't take a degree in theology to see that that is happening all around us, right? I mean, literally, all we have to do is turn on the news, uh, click on a social media site, read a magazine, call your Aunt Pookie, your Uncle Chuck, whatever. Everywhere we turn, someone is offended with someone or a group of people simply because they don't agree on fill in the blank, right? 
Listen, if I can uh, maybe add something here, it's not just that in our day, it's not that just people are offended. Man, they are easily offended. So true. In fact, I want to read something to you. I read this about a year ago. Now, this is hilarious to me, but it is 100% a true story. All right, I'm going to read this to you. It says, not uh, not too long ago, the Canyons School District in Salt Lake County, Utah, built a brand new high school. By mailed ballots, the Board of Education allowed the future students of Corner Canyon High School in the town of Draper to vote and choose the new school's mascot. What an honor. Says that by an overwhelming margin, the students enthusiastically chose Cougar. The students agreed, even in a cheer, nothing sounded better than, We are the Cougars, the Cougars, the Corner Canyon Cougars. <laughs> Felt like I was in high school. I want you to know that. Corner Canyon Cougars is a doggone mouthful. All right, here we go. It says, to most, the mascot was not a shocking choice. The Cougars had been embraced as a mascot in Utah for quite some time. Brigham Young University, BYU, right? And Provo is the fourth largest employer in the state. Selected, these guys selected the Cougar as its mascot in 1924. It's quite a while. And ever since, the BYU Cougars have been a source of pride. Their academic and philosophical influence is worldwide, and their athletic programs are among the elite. That's a little stretch right there. But (laughs) having won 10 national championships in five different sports, and this includes a football, a football national championship in 1984. (laughs) A little drought, but it's all right. Anyways, I'm spoiled. Anyways, another reason the mascot choice seems so appropriate is actual cougars live in actual Utah canyons. In fact, there is a 10,409-acre tract of uninhabited backcountry uh, protected by the Bureau of Land Management, and its official name is Cougar Canyon Wilderness. Watch this. Together, all the facts seem to present an impressive argument for choosing the cougar as a mascot for the new school. But none of that mattered to the Canyons Board of Education after receiving several calls from presumably horrified people. The superintendent announced the board's refusal to name the cougar as a mascot. Why, you may ask, in the words of the superintendent, because the word cougar has a derogatory connotation and it might be offensive to older women. True story, (laughs) okay? Um, Talk about being easily offended, right? Praise God. Anyways, so listen, for for you guys that think like me, in case you're you're wondering, man, I, I did look up this high school. It is a real high school, and I want you to know that instead of becoming the Cougars, they became the Chargers, and uh, with what appears to be a stallion as their mascot. And I just need to know, fellas, are there any stallions in here that are offended today? <laughs> yes. Anyways, let me give you another example of being easily offended. Wives, you might have to help them later, all right? (coughs) You used to be a stallion. All right, here we go. But another example of being easily offended. Uh, Has anybody had the opportunity to uh, go visit one of Maine's beautiful islands lately? Man, gorgeous, right? Listen, in the past month and a half, I've had the opportunity uh, to go to Vinyl Haven, North Haven twice, and Owlsboro, right? And, and on all three islands, I have been told these words verbatim. Make sure you wave at people when you pass them on the road. If you don't, they will become offended. 
If you live on an island, you know that is true. And it's funny because on the mainland, nobody will wave at you. Anyways, but I don't get that. But, but literally something that simple that if you don't throw your hand up, they will get offended by you. All right, moving along. Another thing that I've noticed is this, is not only are people easily offended, but, but it appears like people are literally looking to be offended. Like they are literally uh, willing to go out of their way to be offended by somebody. And, uh, you know, to give you an example, uh, let, let me just say this. A few months ago, I received uh, an email uh, from a young person in our community. Now, listen, this young person seems like they are a uh, sweet, nice, innocent person. And, and you know, so listen, they're young. So I don't mean this to badmouth them in any way, but I'm just trying to prove a point here. So in their email, they simply asked me if I would tell them my personal stance and the church's personal stance on a really hot topic, basically, that's in our culture. And uh, after a few emails, I finally responded in, in, in what I felt like was an honest but yet a, uh, a caring, love, loving, and uh, biblical way, right? And uh, only to be told in the end that I had offended them a little bit when they read what I wrote. And, uh, you know, clearly that wasn't my purpose. And, you know, it, listen, my heart as a pastor was, man, I wanted to help this person. And uh, anyways, in the process, I offended them. But here's the interesting part. It's why I bring it up is uh, about a week or so before I made the decision to respond to this individual, I actually uh, went to one of my friend's houses that I knew had a, had a, a kid around their age. Because uh, sometimes you got to be careful. And you got to make sure you're not getting set up in something. And so I wanted to make sure that everything was legit, what I was being told before I responded, uh, because I didn't want something to blow up in my face, right? Just wisdom in my opinion, right? So anyway, so I, I went to my friend's house, and, and I went to go talk to their kid, and, and their kid wasn't home, and so I didn't have the opportunity to ask them, but I told my friend, hey, here's kind of what's going on. I'm not sure. Fast forward a few weeks, to, you know, I'd already sent my email. They already sent their response. And, uh, and I ran into my friend, and he said this to me. He said, oh, by the way, I asked, and he named his kid. I, I asked him what you wanted to know, and they immediately said this. Oh, Dad, they're just looking to be offended. So a classmate knew exactly what they were up to. And, and, you know, it was at that point I realized that it didn't really matter uh, what I said or what I didn't say in my response, that this individual had already said in their heart that they were going to be offended with whatever I said. Yes? And, uh, and so, li listen, unless I agreed with them. Right? So let me kind of uh, hit the pause button for a second. Let's take a, a little side road. And, and I just want to say this about this, or this situation. I don't think that this should really surprise us at all. And here's the reason I say that is because after all, our media, every media outlet, almost, almost every media outlet, let me say it that way, um, who are the adults in our society are glad to give a platform to about anybody that is offended about anything, right? And, and so in turn, we got to ask ourselves, literally when we're sitting there watching that, and our kids are sitting there with us, what does that communicate to them? In my opinion, I think that, that a lot of times uh, adults in our society give uh, our children permission to act just like what they see. Are y'all hearing me today? And, and so what happens is in, in, in our society, and it's adults and it's kids, but man, we are now picking up and joining forces with offenses of people and defending a cause that most of us have no clue what we're talking about. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all uncomfortable? 
this is true, right? And, and so, listen, all I'm going to say is about, about that is that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. It's almost like in our society that it's uh, become cool to be offended, so let's be offended. And, and I want you to know that in this process, listen, parents, grandparents, it, it, is, it is okay uh, to educate your kids. You should do that. But you got to make sure that you're protecting and guarding their hearts in the process. Are you guys hearing me? Because some things I'm seeing are from good Christian homes. Right? And, and I think, and, and I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'll say this. Parent, if you have no clue what your kids do on social media, shame on you. Okay? There is no such thing as privacy when they live in your house. Okay? Amen? All right. Unpause. Here we go. So, listen, if you're anything like me, uh, you've probably sat back at some point or another and just asked the question, man, how in the world have we gotten here as a nation? Listen, I'm only, I'm only the, the ripe young age of 41 years old. But, man, our nation has changed dramatically since I was a kid. It's changed dramatically in the last 12, 15 years. If you know that's true, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, listen, the, the, the quick answer to how we have gotten here is found in a verse. And, and I'm saying this for context for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. First word, Satan. <laughs> we can go home right there. All right? Satan, watch this. Here's why. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. It says, they are unable, in other words, those who are blinded, are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about Christ. So, listen, th- this verse not only answers how we got here, but, but don't miss this. It also answers this. It shows us uh, who our real enemy is. Listen, as believers, we need to understand this because there's, a, there's a, an epidemic that's happening in our nation among Christians. We're becoming more known what we're against and what we are for, and that's a problem, all right? And, and a lot of times, it makes us look like idiots. Am I being too strong? So, so listen, we need, to be, we need a good reminder today who our real enemy is. It's not those people. It's the devil. It's Satan, right? And, and, but this also allows us to see, watch this, that the spirit of offense that's running rampant in our nation is just another ploy of the enemy to not, all, not only to destroy and divide our nation, but it is also destroying and dividing the church as well. Yes? Just drive around town. You'll see what I'm talking about. Now, now listen, I personally believe that this blindness has caused our culture, don't miss this, that this blindness has caused our culture to become increasingly obsessed with how people feel. Please don't miss this. It's become increasingly obsessed with how people feel, that we are literally so focused on a person's feelings, we have become hypersensitive. And by being hypersensitive, we have been easily offended, easily upset, easily annoyed, and we easily fall into being resentful. Listen, if we realize it or not, this focus has caused us to believe that a person's feelings are the most important factor in someone's life. Are y'all hearing me? That out of all things in their life, man, their feelings are the most important. And, and what happens is, is we're, we are producing an entitlement generation, right? We're producing, uh, once again, hypersensitive people that got no backbone. They have no courage. 
I'll smile at you. Listen, when this happens, listen, y'all, please listen to me. When this happens to a culture, once again, just look around. Uh, when this happens, when we get so uh, obsessed with people's feelings and so, uh, once again, oversensitive with how people feel, it causes uh, an individual and even causes a nation to lose sight of its moral compass, but not only its moral compass, but also its common sense. Amen, right? So here's the danger. The danger in kind of thinking like this, and once again, people may not say it in these words, and, and, uh, but man, I'm telling you, they believe this and they're saying this without saying this. But here's the danger. They say this, that if something or someone makes me feel happy, then it must be true. If it makes me feel happy because I'm so caught up in how I feel, then it must be true. So the biggest problem with that is this, is, is have you noticed that people's feelings change a whole lot? A whole, whole lot, right? Uh, man, I have a variety of emotions every week, right? If you had four kids, you would understand, all right? So, so listen, so does this mean that our truth must change wherever the wind of our feelings blows? Listen. If you're a believer in here, God warns us in Ephesians 4.14 not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that's what's happening today. There's a new wind of doctrine rolling through our nation. And there's people who are just scary. Watch this. And then how do we handle this fact? Watch this. That if, if I have feelings... And Noah has feelings, and she has feelings, and he has feelings. How many truths are there? <laughs> right? L- listen, if, if truth is irrelevant, there's no absolute truth, then what that produces is division. And I'm telling you, God is a God of unity. Right? Read the Bible. Right? God is a God of unity. He said that's where his blessings flow. Now to understand this, that when there's many truths, it also does this. It adds confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. Amen? So I'm going to throw a quote up here for you really quick. But listen, family, we need to do this. We need to understand that while people are entitled to their own opinions, they are not entitled to their own truth. Now hear me. You can have your opinion, but man, at the end of the day, guess what? Common sense understands that there can only be one truth. You mad yet? Good deal. John 14, 6 still says this, and I do mean still, still says this. It still says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Notice it does not say he is a truth. It says he is the truth. Can't get away from it. All right, so let's shift gears for a moment, okay? So we talked really good about that. Let's go to us, all right? I want to shift gears. To me, I, I think the thing that has grieved my heart the most, absolutely grieved my heart the most in all this, is the insane amounts of believers and churches who have compromised and changed their core values, which were founded and based on biblical truth because they are afraid that they might offend someone. Drive down the road. Listen to me. Of of course, these people would never say that uh, they're doing it because they are afraid because they have convinced themselves that it's all in the name of love and grace. 
And li- listen, um, because they've convinced themselves of that, they begin to teach and they begin to believe that uh, God no longer sees all of this. And I'm not talking about one thing today, so broaden your gaze a little bit, okay? But, but that, that, that all these things, man, that God no longer sees them as sin. And uh, rather it is now, uh, you know, once again, it's rather acceptable in his eyes simply because, guess what? Love covers all, right? And, and I want you to know, guys, today, that is, uh, there's no other word than deception. It is deception. And uh, this is where you and I have to be really, really careful. Are y'all hearing me? This is the caution piece. We have to be really careful. Uh, I personally believe what we are seeing in our nation today confirms what we read a while ago. We breezed by it. You might not have catched it. But it's what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. If you don't hear anything today, church, hear what I'm about to say. I think it confirms what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12 when he says this. He said that the love of many will grow cold. Now, let me educate you really quick. The word love there is actually the Greek word agape. Please hear what I'm saying. Uh, You cannot, that means the unconditional love of God. You cannot, 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 cannot have the agape in your heart unless you're a believer. So he is not, listen to me, he is not talking to the world here. He is talking to the church. And he's saying this, that basically, if you rewind, he's saying basically that sin will increase so greatly that the agape love of God and the born-again believer will grow cold. And then he says that literally that many will fall away. Don't get mad at me. I'm just quoting, okay? That many will fall away. And then it says, he who endures until the end, in verse 13, will be saved. That's my Bible. That's my Jesus. Amen? Amen. So here's the thing. I want you to understand something. The, the word grow there in that scripture literally doesn't mean that, uh, that here, I'll just use this example. Let, let's say that I had a, a steaming, uh, you know, cup of coffee, right? I mean, just like, man, it's fresh out of the cure egg, right? Whatever, okay? I mean, it's good to go. And it doesn't mean that, you know, whatever, we set it down and immediately it freezes over, right? doesn't mean that. What it means is, is literally take that cup of coffee and it sits there and over time it begins to absorb the atmosphere and the environment around it and what was once piping hot begins to gradually cool down until it becomes lukewarm. My Bible says in Revelation 3 that he will spew the lukewarm out of his mouth. Does the Bible say that? Yes. So, so, so listen to me. Uh, understand today that I believe that this is a great picture, what's happening to so many people in our culture as they're allowing the environment to affect them. And they're letting once when they got first born again and the fire of God burned hard in their, you know, hot in their heart, that they love God, they were passionate for God. And now they're just like, it's okay. They don't pray anymore. They don't read the Bible anymore. They don't do it. Why? Because their, their heart has grown cold. Man, I pray often, God, breathe on the coals of my heart. Breathe, God. Let the fire of God burn in me, right? Because there's something, listen to me, believers. There's something about if you, if, you, if you look in the Bible, I'll just, one of my favorite books, Jeremiah. All right, certain portions. Some of it really hard to understand. But Jeremiah chapter one, God said this. He said, Jeremiah, see this day, I have put my fire in your mouth. Fast forward to chapter 20, verse nine. He said this. He said, God, I am literally, he just got, he just got, uh, he just got beat up. (laughs) He got thrown in a hole. 
And he was feeling really bad. And he said this. He said, Lord, uh, I am weary. And he said, Lord, I don't want to mention your name anymore, but I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot, for it is a fire that is shut up in my bones. What's the lesson, family? It's this, that the fire of God that was once in his mouth, the more he walked with God, it grew in him. Because our God is a consuming fire. Right, And the fire of God that was once small in his mouth, now it consumed him. So listen, if we've been walking with Jesus for a while, we're not supposed to be going the other way. We're supposed to be getting hotter. Why? Because we know him better. Amen? Amen. <sighs> that was free. Let's go. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Not too long ago, I, I met another really, really kind person. And I mean, I really, I'm like, man, I really like this person. They're, they're really cool. And uh, as we begin to talk, uh, they begin to express to me their struggles that they're having with their current uh, denomination, okay? And, and, and basically the church they attend. And, and what was happening is they began to talk. They said this, that their, that their church and their denomination have begun to make a, a stand on certain moral issues, the right stance, in my opinion, okay? And, and what happened was is, is those stances, they used to be in agreement with those stances. But now they have some really important people in their lives uh, that have almost convinced them uh, that, that basically what's happening in our society, that, that now God's okay with that. Please, please listen to me. And, and what was happening inside of this person is there was this uh, internal conflict, internal struggle of what's right, what's wrong. I'm, I'm getting offended with those people for what they're saying now that they believe. Even though I used to be with them, now I feel like I'm getting enlightened and there's something different. And, and what I finally realized after about 30 minutes of conversation, I simply put my hand on their shoulder and I said this. I, I said, basically, in all due respect, I don't think your problem is with your church. I think your problem is with the Bible. And, and here's what we need to understand, guys. Psalm 119.89 says this. Notice the first word. Forever. Oh, Lord, your word, the Bible, the Santa Biblia, right? As I'm out of languages, I don't know anymore, right? <laughs> Forever, oh, Lord, your word is settled, firmly fixed in heaven. Guys, he is the unchanging one. His word and him are one. They do not disagree. Okay, They are one. And so this means that even though our culture may ebb and flow, guess what? God's word, God's standard, God's truth will eternally remain what? The same. Therefore, what you and I need to do is we need to anchor our lives really deep in that word right there to make sure we're not one of those that our love grows cold and we fall away. Are you hearing me today? All right, so let me ask you a question. Um, is God a God of love? Man, a thousand times yes. God's incredible, right? If you've never had an encounter with uh, God's love today, just come on, we'll pray for you. It'd be good. Uh, but, but I need you to understand something today. This, this God of love is the same God that wrote the Bible in its entirety. He did not write pieces of it. He wrote all of it. My Bible tells me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17 says, so the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
right? So if we want to walk in the will of God, man, we got to let the word have access in our lives. Amen. Cut off the dead parts, breathe life to the parts that need life. Amen. So forth, whatnot, right? So, so, so listen, uh, as our culture shifts, we cannot, we got to make sure that we don't pick and choose what we agree with and what we don't agree with. Either we agree with the book or we don't agree with the book. Either you, either we receive what Jesus did for us on the cross and we take everything else or we don't. Well, that's legalism. No, that's righteousness and that's holiness. See, see what, what happens is legalism, you have to understand, everybody, because everybody, I'm, I'm hearing that from more and more people, well, that's a legalistic church, that's legalism, that's le- and they don't even know what they're talking about, okay? You, you got to understand, legalism is simply this. Legalism is a church or people who basically shove the rules down people's throats and who don't believe in the power of God for life change. Okay, that's legalism, okay? That, that listen, there, we, we have to remember, once again, that, that he is a God of grace and truth. He is a God of love and a God of holiness. He is, he is a complete package. We can't just eat half the pie. We got to take it all, yes? All right, so once again, is God a God of love? Yes. Does he love every person? Absolutely. Listen, but, but understand something. Does it mean that he has to accept everything that they do? Right? I, li- listen, I got people in my family that I love with all my heart, but I don't accept everything they do. Does my love change for them? No, but I don't accept or approve of it, right? And, and so listen, I, you need to hear something. Not only does he not accept everything they do, he doesn't expect us to accept everything they do. And that's the lie that's happening today, that if I really love people, then I'm going to accept everything they do. Wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, approve of a child molester. I'm not going to approve of a murderer. Right? So, so listen, everybody, I don't approve of a liar. Right? We're not, we're not pigeonholing one thing, but let's take the Bible in context and let's quit going, well, this is okay. And that's okay. You can sleep around with whoever you want. You can live with whoever you want. If we're going to believe it, let's believe it. Right? You, 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 can't, you can't hate the murderer and, and accept all the other stuff. It doesn't work that way. Right? God's heart isn't... He hates sin. Yes? All right, so watch this. Here's the good news, though. Here's where the love of God comes in. The love of God says this, is He can forgive any sin. He can deliver any person from any addiction, from any bondage, from any lifestyle, right? He can redeem and restore any person's life, right? Uh, but watch this. But he's the same God that still said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He is still the one that said that light and darkness have nothing in common. So we got to quit trying to be buddies with everybody. Yeah? All right. So all that in mind, hopefully I'm not making you too mad. Um, Man, I want you to listen to this verse. Because the question is, is in the day and time, what does the Lord expect from us? That's a really important question. What does he expect from us? How does he want us to live? Uh, does he want us to hate people? No. But, but watch what he wants us to do. No Ephesians 5. And I'll sum it up when we get to the end. <clears throat> he said this, Therefore, be imitators of God. Let me stop here real quick. If you back up to verses 30, 31, 32 in Ephesians in chapter 4, he'll tell you all the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, He'll talk about sins, and then he rolls into this and what he expects from us. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. It's huge. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
but sexual morality and all impurity of, or covetousness must not even be named among you. Talking about the church. In other words, don't even, let, don't even let that be identifiable with you as is proper among the saints. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, even on the job site. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, knows that's heterosexual or homosexual, Quit trying to pin something on one group. It's all of them. Okay? It says, or who is covetous? It says, that is an idolater. It says, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Get that. The wrath of God. Not the love of God. The wrath of God. Therefore, do not become, notice the word, partners with them. That word partners is where we get the word fellowship and community from. So in other words, don't be in a community with them. And then it says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. In other words, you got saved. He, got, he rescued you, right? So he says, walk as children of the light. Who's in the light? He's in the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Get that. Everybody, everybody look at me, please. That, that we have to, in our own heart, go, Lord, what pleases you? Right? Not what everybody's saying. Read the book. Pray. Lord, what pleases you? Yeah. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, that he makes it his goal in life to live a life pleasing to the Lord. And then it says this. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I'm going to show you how we do that. It's different than what a lot of people do. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So let me wrap this up for you. In short, God is saying this. He's saying, look, I want you to love these people without joining them (laughs) or without losing your holiness in the process. Right? In other words, that he wants us to live a life that honors him. And guess what happens? In doing so, just by being the light, it's going to expose darkness. We don't have to stand on the street corner and holler, you bunch of sinners, God made hell for people like you, which is a lie. Right? And I've heard people say that and do that. We just got to love people and let the light of God and the love of God flow through us. And guess what? People, they know. They know. They know the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 that God's put the law of God on every person's heart, right? They can deceive themselves, convince themselves, but at the end of the day, it's on their heart. Watch this. And so if I just love them and I love God and I just am consistent and I right, honor him, guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna, to, sooner or later, it's going to open up an opportunity for me to show Jesus. Are you all with me? All right. So watch this. Here's something I want us to understand, and then we'll shift gears here a little bit again, but... I've seen so many Christians get angry, please don't miss this, get angry and offended by what they see in our society. I tell you this often, I'm going to tell you again, sinners sin. (laughs) Sinners do what sinners do, and if we could stop for a minute and and take off our cloak of self-righteousness and realize that, guess what, we used to do some of the same things. We sinned well, right? We were good at it, right? But God saved us, okay? So, so watch this. But, but, but we can't do this. We can't return evil for evil. Please hear me. We cannot return evil for evil by becoming offended with the things that they say and do. In other words, here's what I mean. That, that when you and I watch TV and we watch the news and we get all angry and we start hollering at the TV, 
go champ, right? L- listen to me. All you're doing is, is allowing the spirit of this age, which is the spirit of offense, get on you. All you're doing is following in the same trap of the enemy, and I'm telling you, the enemy sits back and laughs at you. Yes? All that anger you have towards those people, what good is it doing? <laughs> nothing, right? Nothing. You can holler at politics all you want. Don't change nothing. Amen? Amen. So listen, let me ask you a question here. If God wants us to be the light of the world and he wants us to be ministers of reconciliation, then please tell me how we can be effective at doing those things if we're offended at the people that we're supposed to be ministering to. Because watch this. Everybody look at me. Here's what happens. God gives us an opportunity and the, the message of the gospel, the good news, now has to filter through our offense And now we're trying to present the gospel to a person we're offended with. And guess what happened? Arguments happen. It doesn't work. But when the gospel filters through the love of God, God gives you creative ways to communicate his heart and his passion for them. And guess what happens? Then he begins to walk through their walls. Then he begins to disarm them. Then he begins to expose the lie of the enemy. And he begins to grab a hold of their hearts. Yes? Yes? And so, listen, let me ask you a question in in this sense. Because some of us, we can't even talk to those people because we're so angry. But here's the greater problem, is you can't even pray for them either. How are you supposed to pray for someone effectively when you're offended by them and you hate them? You can't. You can't. And the truth is, I'm going to help you out here a little bit. If you really got on your face and began to cry out to God for their soul, you know what would happen? Compassion would come. He'd begin to birth a heart for those people and a burden for those people in you. And then you could be an effective minister. Yes? God, use me. He can if you're offended. God, use me. He can if you're angry. Because you'll, here's, what, here's why. Because you'll misrepresent his heart. And man, he loves his kingdom and who he is and his reputation more than to let you destroy it. Amen? So let me give you a real-life example. <sighs> All right. If there's kids in the house, I apologize. I'm looking around. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to share this today, and I don't think I've ever shared it fully. Maybe I have, um, but from a pulpit, because it's kind of a lo- little raw. So if you're visiting, see Angelo. So um, <laughs> just talk to Angelo. <laughs> But I, but I want to give you an, I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, when I was 18 years old, I, man, I'd been freshly saved for about, I don't know, five or six months. The school of ministry that I was in, and we, we ended up going to the French Quarter. We went to, we went to uh, Jackson Square in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we didn't go on a regular day. We went on Mardi Gras. And if you know anything about Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras simply means Fat Tuesday, and it's the day before Ash Wednesday, and all it is is uh, uh, just uh, uh, like, I think it's like two million people or whatever that goes. It's over a million, and and their goal is to sin. I mean, that is their goal, right? And, And they're good at it. And, and while I saw, uh, you know, a lot of things that were pretty vile, I mean, I saw some messed up junk. Uh, the thing that got me the most, and this is what I'm going to tell you about today, and I, hopefully I don't offend anybody. Please, please, please don't get offended. But 
the thing that got me the most is I ran into a guy that was probably mid-40s, early 50s, and he was dressed as a Catholic priest, and he was standing. If you've ever been to Jackson Square, basically there's a square that's in a fence. You got the water, uh, you know, basically the waterfront there, and you got this big uh, white Catholic church. And he is standing in front of this Catholic church, dressed up as a Catholic priest with his face painted, and, and he's got a megaphone. And man, this guy is angry. He is arrogant, and uh, he refused to listen. And let me say this: you, a mark of someone who is super offended, they're a bully. This dude was a bully, all right? And he, and he had his megaphone, and he had his little entourage around him, and, and I'll just, um, whatever, just, just let's be grown-ups here, okay? Um, basically, he had this man with him that was dressed up as a, as a woman who had fake breasts and had a sex toy in between the breast, okay? And, and then there was a, a lady with that guy that was dressed up as a tampon, all right? So this is the kind of... Yeah, that's going on. Yeah, it's like, what? Right? Anyways, I'm from Backwoods, Alabama. We don't do that stuff even on Halloween. Anyways. <laughs> so, anyways, so this guy is, is irate. He's got his megaphone, and here's what he is shouting in Jackson Square. Jesus Christ is a homosexual. Jesus Christ molests little children. Jesus Christ masturbates. Are y'all hearing me? I told you this was going to be raw. It's a real world, okay? Not a little cute little church where we try to make it. So he's yelling these things, and he is mocking the gospel. And uh, all I can say is this, is I don't know ever in my life if I've ever wanted to lay down and gut cry and punch a hole through the wall at the same time because I wanted to physically hurt the man. And, and what happened is, is all I can say is, is I was offended by that man's uh, words and his actions. Now, in my youthfulness, once again, I've been saved about five, six months. And I was, uh, man, just like lit, okay? And all I can say for the, next, for the next few hours, I tore into every person that I had a chance to witness to with that Bible. And I ate them alive, I, 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 uh, I send every person I talk to to hell pretty much, pretty quick. And I, and I remember talking to this big old man, I mean a huge man, that was dressed up as a Viking, who earlier in the day with his four buddies had raped a woman. Okay? And, and police are walking around, nothing, they arrest nobody. All right? And so uh, I remember this guy, basically, I mean, I mean, I just ate him up, right? And I remember him saying... Uh, man, you're good. I can't, I can't compete with you. And I was just, I'm, I'm winning. I'm winning, right? Because I'm offended, right? And I remember this guy who was the guy dressed up as a lady, him and his woman, had a camera, and he was videotaping me do this. And I remember turning to the camera, letting the camera know what's up. All right. <laughs> Such an idiot. Okay, watch this. Later that day, we found out this. Watch this. That the man dressed up as a woman was a lawyer. That was his wife, dressed up as a feminine product. All right? And the guy that was the, the priest, he said, told us his name. He was a jazz musician in the area. And then he said this. Here's why he is so angry and why he hates God. is because when he was a little kid, a Catholic priest molested him. So watch this. 
after hours of ripping everybody up, <laughs> finding that out, okay, something shifted in my heart towards that man. I was a young buck, really immature in the Lord. And, but here's what happened. I, I went back to Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, for the next year, periodically, I prayed for the man. And as I prayed, my heart shifted. Okay? So the next year, exactly a year later, we rolled back into the French Quarter. And I'm like, okay, um, same place, same guy, different outfit, uh, same argument. Saying the same things. He just had a different get up on. Didn't have his face paint this year. And he had his megaphone. And I, and I roll up. And we're, we're about 42 deep. 42, 45 people deep. And I roll up in there. And, and there's basically this oval shape. And I don't know. You probably got about 50, 60 people in the oval shape thing. I mean, there's like I said, there's millions of people down there. And, and the Catholic priest is on one end with his megaphone shouting and mocking the gospel. On the other end, you got this Christian guy with his megaphone shouting nonsense. Nonsense. Nonsense, okay? And every time he would say something, this guy would twist it and pervert it. His little, um, you know, uh, lawyer buddy had a, um, a box of cornflakes. Remember those? I don't even know if they sell them anymore. So remember, it had a chicken on it. So I had a chicken body with a head of Jesus on it. And he had, and I didn't know what it was because I'd never been to that kind of church before, but it had, had communion wafers. And so he was all, uh, try Jesus again for the first time. And he was walking around and he was putting it on people's tongues, right? And doing it. And they're all laughing and mocking. And, and uh, anyways, one of the guys in our group, an older student, I remember him doing this. He there's the guy screaming and hollering and stuff. And uh, Lee goes, he just goes, and he got in the guy's ear, shouting the megaphone. He goes, are you going to let what a Catholic priest did to you when you were kids send you to hell for eternity? <laughs> the guy goes, uh, like you saw a ghost. And he goes, yes, I am. Right? Now watch this. Finally, the guy that was really misrepresenting the gospel left. Thank God. The group kind of dispersed. And I remember him still sitting there doing his thing. And I walked up and I said one thing. I called him by name and I said, sir, I want you to know we've been praying for you for a year. And literally, he put this thing down. Now, it's a little different because it wasn't coming from offense. I wasn't looking for an argument. wasn't trying to be right. I just went, man, Jesus, you love this man. You created him in your image. You got a plan and a purpose for his life. Are y'all with me today? And, and, um, and I just simply said this, sir, and I began to share the gospel with him. Watch this. The man, he didn't get saved, but what he did was, and this was crazy, he goes, man, here, and he said something to me about whatever. I can't remember. And, he, and it really nice. And he handed me his megaphone and said, man, I want you to preach with that. Now he wants me to take his weapons of warfare. And now he wants me to preach the gospel. He didn't do that to the other guy who was ramming it down his throat. He didn't do it to me the year before when I was ready to punch him in the face. But when I came with love, he's, man, here you go. Right? And here's what happened, just so you know. 
I saw his little buddy that was dressed up as a woman and his gal. And I said, I went to him. I said, I want you to know I'm sorry. They remembered me. <laughs> they remembered me. And I said, I totally uh, misrepresented Jesus. Would you please forgive me? And then here's this opportunity. Once again, tell me about your Jesus. Am I making sense, you guys, today? So, so, so listen, let me give you one verse and we'll land this thing. Let me give you a quote, actually, first. Billy Graham said this. This is good. He said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. God's job to judge. My job, our job, to love. That's simple, okay? 1 Corinthians, here we go, 118. This is what we have to remember before we get offended. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, why am I saying that? If you and I want to see the power of God move, then we can't be offended by their choices. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. And when God gives us an opportunity, we need to speak what he is telling us to speak. And then guess what? He will move. I'm telling you, I've seen it way too many times. He will move. Amen. If you can, stand to your feet, please. Today, I simply want to do this in our own, in our own words, in our own heart. I realize today that everybody in here isn't offended by what they see on TV. Okay? Uh, but for those that are, okay, and what we see when we walk downtown Camden or whatever, wherever we go, all right? I want us to give that offense to God. You can close your eyes. It's okay. I want you to be, let God begin to search your heart. But I want us to give that to the Lord today. And if you're sitting here today, let me maybe back up. I, I want us to ask that when we give him our offense, that he would fill up our hearts with his love. Let's, let's believe God for a divine exchange today, amen? And, but I also realize today that there's people sitting in here that you're not uh, offended with the world. You've been offended by the church. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, telling you, uh, Jesus is good. He loves you. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. And sometimes people get in the way and say dumb things. Okay? Or sometimes we're unteachable and we get offended because we're immature. But that's up to you to discern. But wherever it's at today, man, let's just give it to him. Maybe your offense is with your husband. Maybe it's with your wife. Maybe it's with your kids. Man, maybe it's with somebody at work. Whatever it is, man, today, let's just, let's just choose to be unoffended. Because God wants to use us. Amen? Amen. So let's just pray. Father, today we just come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you, you know us more than we know ourselves. Clearly, the Holy Spirit, you know our hearts. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And Lord, if there's any offense, any anger, any bitterness, any resentfulness, God, that's in our hearts today, God, we, we just repent, God, and we give it to you. God, we don't want to be angry at anybody. We don't want to be offended with anybody. Lord, we want to walk uh, as you've called us to walk. Lord, we, we say today, God, that we want to be the perfect balance, if there is such, in a human being of grace and truth. God, that we want to walk in your love. But, Lord, we also want to walk in holiness. 
And so, Lord, today, as we give our offense to you, God, would you come as only you can, and would you flood our hearts with the unconditional love of God? God, you said in Romans, God, that you would shed abroad, that you would pour, God, your love in us. And so, Lord, we're asking, God, that you would give us, God, like you did with Moses. God, you would give us your eyes to see. God, you would give us your ears to hear and your heart to feel. God, that we would see people and hear people through you. God, that you would be our filter, not our offense. So, God, would you come today and melt our hearts. God, begin to give us a burden. God, give us a compassion. Give us a desire, God, to see lost people saved. God, give us a desire, Lord. God, give us a desire. Father, I pray, Lord, even for us, God, that are believers in here, God, that you would stir our hearts. God, that you would wake us up, God, in the middle of the night. God, that you would grab us in the middle of the day. God, that you would begin to put a burden in our hearts to intercede and to pray for the lost. God, you told us in your word in Psalms chapter 2 that we could ask for the lost as our inheritance, God, and you would give them to us. So, Lord, we're asking, God, even now, God, that you would give us the lost in this region. God, would you turn our, uh, once again, our frustration, God, that you would turn it into prayers, God, in Jesus' name. Yeah. Lord, I ask, God, that if any person's here today, God, and they've been hurt by the church, Lord, I'm asking, God, that they would forgive, Lord, and that they would, uh, Lord, be restored back to your house the way you want it. Lord, that the, the honor and the joy, God, of your house would return to them in Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray, God, that if we're here today, God, and if we have allowed, God, the, the influence of this culture to make our hearts grow cold, Lord, I pray that you would breathe on the coals. God, I pray that convictions would return, that a desire for holiness would return. Lord, we're not talking about legalism. Lord, we're talking about just loving you with all of our hearts. And so, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that once again the ancient boundaries would be established. They'd be firmly in place. Lord, like Abraham, return to Bethel, the house of God, God's ways, God's standards. God, we return to you today in Jesus' name. And, Father, we pray, God, that everything that's not of you, every lie that we believed, God, that says feelings are the utmost, feelings are the truth, all that garbage, all that deception, Lord, all that error, Lord, that it would fall off. And God, we would walk in the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. And Lord, lastly, I just ask, God, if there's any person in this house today, God, that does not know you, God, that they would give their lives and their hearts to you, God, that even, even now all they have to do is say is, Lord, I love you. Would you please come and forgive me of my sins? Would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? Would you rescue me? God, would you come and make your home in me? God, would you give me a new start and a new life? God, help me to honor you. Lord, we pray that people would do that today. God, if they've been backslidden, if they've been out of fellowship, God, that they would return to you today and they would walk with you with all their hearts. So, Lord, I'm asking today, God, last again, in Jesus' name, God, that you would just burn in your people, God. God, that once what burned in their mouths would burn in their bones. God, I pray that the fire of God, the fire of your spirit, God, would burn in them again. God, that you would awaken their hearts. Awake, O sleeper, in the name of Jesus. Arise and shine and let the face of the Lord shine upon you. Lord, I pray that you would burn God. Burn God with passion again for your name and for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.